What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blockhash, exploring the blockchain, episode 295. We have another fantastic episode and fantastic guest today, uh, Dimitri, the founder of Dim Nico Agency, uh, who is doing a number of really cool things in the space, uh, including in e-commerce. And we're going to dive into a lot of that today with Dimitri, who is on the show. Dimitri, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Excited to get into things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, a uh, pleasure to have you on. A uh, lot I want to talk about and a lot I'm hoping to learn as well. Uh, before we do, tell us a bit more about yourself. I'm sure people are going to be curious to, you know, who you are, you know, where you're from. Uh, so give us a bit of background. Yeah, awesome, man. So um, I am born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. I kind of got my entrepreneurial start about five years ago, five or six years ago. I was um, I had a breakup, broke up with my girlfriend. I knew for a long time that I wanted to start a business and then I was kind of in the dumps and stuff. And I, um, was scrolling through Facebook and I saw an ad by a guy called Ty Lopez, um, teaching people how to start social media marketing agencies. Um, and kind of, that was the, the catalyst and the thing that got me going. Um, and you know, fast forward till now, um, I run a marketing agency, um, that helps direct to consumer brands grow online with, um, paid advertising and other marketing methods. Um, as well as having had run a lot of my own e-commerce brands in the past, starting brands, growing brands, exiting, um, doing all sorts of exciting things. Um, and now um, we've kind of moved into the, blo the blockchain space and using the blockchain to um, help e-commerce brands drive their sales in a, a number of ways, which I'm sure we'll crack into in a sec. But um, yeah, I was born in Australia, have moved since to Cape Town um in south africa sunny cape town which has been absolutely incredible and um yeah just work and play this side of the world yeah is ty lopez the guy that was on youtube that was always doing like those phone videos with the cars in the garage um, yeah dude, he's talking he, about all these secrets how you make money yeah yeah exactly he had this ad that was it became iconic it's like here here in my garage is how he mm -hmm. opened the ad and um one of the things that I did, because when I was first growing my agency, I did a lot of content marketing. And um, one of the things I did to kind of get on the map and get kind of seen by a lot of people was I did this live stream. It was ridiculous um, where I said here in my garage 10,000 times in a single live stream, um, which technically, I mean, it wasn't a single live stream. We had to span it over two live streams because there was a video limit. Um, but yeah, that, that, I think it was viewed by like Russell Brunson and Ty Lopez and a bunch of other like big guys in the, in the internet marketing space, just kind of making fun of this guy, Ty Lopez, uh, because he has become a bit of an internet meme in the make money online space. Yeah, he has. He's also kind of kicked it off in a lot of ways too. That guy was getting so well connected after uh, doing all those ads. I remember getting super annoyed. Uh, seeing him all the time on YouTube because it was like every other one, but he really, I think, helped pioneer how you could advertise on a platform like YouTube, uh, yeah. but do it in like a completely different style, if that makes sense. Because everything was like AdWords, Google ads, like before that in social media, advertising was brand new and he was definitely maximizing that. So I think he was like a really key aspect that people don't talk about. Yeah, he's he's like the the first guy that really did info products with YouTube ads well. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, how did you guys decide to get into like the blockchain 
blockchain side of things with your agency, was there something specific about that that made you say, okay, blockchain makes sense. We want to incorporate it or move into that realm for doing uh, e-commerce and, you know, the stuff that you're doing already. Was there like a single thought or an idea? Yeah. So it was kind of an, an evolution that happened over time. I've been in the, in the crypto space for quite a while since 2016, 2017. And, um, it actually all came about, I was sharing like a, a co-working space or a co-working office with another guy that had this massive computer tower in the corner that was a crypto miner. I mean, he was mining Bitcoin and, and all sorts of other cryptos. Um, and that was kind of my my doorway into it. Um, but, you know, all the while I was doing all this e-commerce stuff. And then in the last sort of big bull run, when we had sort of the come up of NFTs, um, we started getting clients ask us, you know, how can we use NFTs in order to... Um, or how can we incorporate NFTs in, into our e-commerce brands? And is this something we, sh we should be looking at and things like that? And um, so we naturally kind of tried to come up with a solution for this um, and, you know, investigated. And a lot of the softwares and, and tech solutions out there really, you know, as a lot of the listeners of this will, will understand and already be very familiar with, um, you have to kind of come to a website, mint an NFT with your Ethereum or Matic or whatever the cryptocurrency is that you're using. Um, and then, you know, that's going to be stored into your wallet. And then if you want to go and get um, or verify your, your NFT ownership on certain websites, you have to come with your MetaMask or whatever crypto wallet you're using, um, which that whole experience is for the general consumer. And when it comes to mass adoption, most people have no idea how any of that stuff works, right? So we had these brands coming to us asking to incorporate and come up with a way to use NFTs in their e-commerce brands. And we were going out and, and speaking to some of the, the software companies that were building solutions for this, but none of the solutions were in a way that our customers would actually be able to understand that we could actually roll out to some of our brands. Um, so that's kind of where um, we came up with the idea of, you know, actually building this in a very user-friendly way. And now we're with three commerce. It's a software company um, that is just, it's plain and simple, a Shopify. So Shopify being the main, um, e-commerce platform that a lot of brands use it's a shopify extension or application uh, that brands can install and then they can deploy uh, loyalty programs they can use nfts for redeemables um, for provenance and and um, fraud ver uh, fraud prevention or product um, authenticity verification there's lots of long words there um, and do this in a way where the customers can come they can buy their nfts with fiat in a in an account that's um that's got a custodial wallet on the back end, but they're just logging in with their email address and password, keeping things very, very super simple, almost like a web two experience on the front end and then web three infrastructure and blockchain stuff on the back end, right? And that's something we call web 2.5. And I think that's how a lot of this stuff is actually going to be adopted moving forward into the future. I mean, you think about hotels, for example, right? When you go and book a hotel online back in the early days of the internet, we don't expect the person using the internet to book the hotel to actually understand how like, they're interacting with webhooks and APIs and all of this stuff is going on. They just come to the website and book and it's very simple and user-friendly. And I think when it does come to mass adoption, particularly with NFTs and actually using this technology for things like concert tickets and art and stuff like that, the general consumer is going to interact with all of this technology in a way that they don't need to understand the technology at all. And that's the gap that we're trying to bridge for e-commerce brands and their customers. Yeah, there's so many different potential applications for blockchain into e-commerce, NFTs into e-commerce. And, you know, I, I've said this a million times, one of the biggest things that holds back uh, the technology is the fact the user interface is really poor. Um, I appreciate the technology. I'm sure you do. Like there's so many applications. And once you understand it, you can use it for so many things. But 
simple stuff like being able to log into a website in a web three sense, but you have to download a wallet. You have to install the wallet. A lot of times you have to have funds in the wallet uh, to take advantage of all these things. And for the ordinary person, it's not simple and it creates a lot of friction that doesn't need to be there, especially if you want to do something in e-commerce. It has to be quick, like Amazon, perfect example. I can log into Amazon. My card's there. Um, I have money there. I have everything at my fingertips and I can click and buy in most cases, you know, with one click. Um, So getting blockchain there has kind of been a bit of a hurdle. Um, And I'm sure you've seen that too. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on like the whole user interface part of the space and maybe how that needs to overall be more simplified to make things like e-commerce more effective? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's going to be kind of like a Web 2.5 experience where mm-hmm. the experience on the front end is Web 2 and then the infrastructure on the back end is uh, is Web 3 and blockchain and stuff like that. But I think we've got to remember, I mean, it's it's very easy for us crypto nerds to kind of come about and be like, oh my God, we're almost there. Mass adoption is coming. Next bull run, everyone's going to be using this stuff. But in reality, the technology is not that... Um, not that old at all. It's, it's very, very young technology. I mean, when you think about it, 2008 is not that long ago. And the internet, like the early inception of the internet would have been late 80s, I think, um, when like the first, first instance of um, email and, and the World Wide Web and stuff kind of started happening, early 80s, late 90s. Um, and it wasn't really being used until mid 2000s, which is like 25 years. You know, 2008 to 2022, we're still quite primitive. So I think it's just going to take a while Um for the technology to kind of catch up um, in a sense that, um, you know, we do have those much more friendly user-friendly interactions in a way that customers are much more um, inclined to or much more familiar with. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I think we just have to be patient. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, Ethereum has been around since what, 2013, 2014 in its entirety. And, and that's been like, you know, there was no market for blockchain until Ethereum was born. And even then, there was nothing substantiated until maybe around 2016 or 2017. I think maybe later part of 2017. So even if you would look at the blockchain market existing, let's say, in 2017 to now, it's been like, what, five, six years? That's nothing. nothing. That's a baby. Like, I mean, people like to say Bitcoin, Bitcoin's been around for over a decade. And I'm one of those people. But Bitcoin didn't create a market for this. Um, yeah. Ethereum didn't, you know, establish a market for this. It was the precedent, but it, it took some time. So we're, we're living in a market right now that's grown tremendously in five or six years, um, where the technology is great, but more development yeah, we're, is still quite far from mass adoption as much as people don't mm-hmm. really want to admit it because I mean, mass adoption means moon bags and it means we're all getting rich. So everyone wants that to come right now. Um, but I think it's, it's still quite quite a ways away yeah it's going to take some time the thing i like about this space is the level of innovation and the people that are working in it um it's such a passionate industry um i don't i know a lot of people that work in ai and automation or robotics and other tech-based fields and they never um seem very excited about it like there's no enthusiasm they're like oh i i work in automations and i i build out iot solutions and and say connect the internet to devices like no one's passionate about that like it's cool but but you get into the blockchain space and it's like moonbag this and um like a meme wag me that and meme cultures everywhere it's so much more fun yeah absolutely
Um, and I bet that plays into e-commerce a lot too. Um, one, one thing I want to talk about, maybe you can elaborate on is maybe some of the ways NFTs and e-commerce kind of come together in mesh. Um, yeah. Like what are some of those examples? You touched on them earlier, like verifying yeah. authenticity, maybe product listings. Um, what are some things that come to mind? Yeah, so the, the three big use cases that we're kind of putting our focus on, um, are, like I mentioned, one, loyalty programs. And I'll, I'll break these down, each of them. Um, but one, loyalty programs. Two, um, fraud prevention and kind of um, authenticating products. And three, um, redeemables for, for product launches. So rolling into the loyalty programs first, um, we've actually kind of seen a lot of this stuff happen in that sort of degen crowd when you look at um, Adam Bomb Squad. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that Adam Bomb Squad is an NFT collection that was rolled out by a 20-year-old um, uh, streetwear brand called The Hundreds. And what happened was they released these 20,000 20, NFTs, I believe, um, raised $10 million by doing that. But then they gave token-gated benefits. So token-gated meaning, you know, you, you only get the benefits if you can verify that you own one of the tokens. Um, they gave these token-gated benefits to the customers in the form of... Um, early access to products and exclusive access to products that are, that are tailored just for the token holders. So um, what kind of happened was their super loyal customers identified themselves to the brand, as well as a lot of these kind of Web3 um, DGENs coming in and buying these, these uh, NFTs. And then um, the brand was able to maximize the value of those customers because they were super loyal and they were getting all these extra benefits and they were really, really proud to be a part of this community. They were excited to fit into the community while also standing out with their unique NFTs. Um, that brand was able to massively increase its the lifetime value of their customers, which means like the amount of money that each of these customers spends over time, um, as well as acquire new customers by attracting this Web3 kind of um, Web3 crypto native crowd um, into the brand by being an innovator and an early adopter of it. Um, and then they do collaborations with other collections and things like that to, to further attract more customers. So um, we can do build loyalty programs in that way. Um, and again, we're doing it in a way that, you know, you don't need to have crypto and you don't need to come with your wallet to verify your, your NFTs and, and things like that, um, which makes it super easy for a lot of these um, end consumers now to actually be able to do some of this stuff. Um, and the brand in the process, obviously, one, another massive outcome for them is that they introduced two new revenue sources, one being from the NFT sales, which obviously we've never had an e-commerce before. But then as customers trade these NFTs amongst each other, um, there's obviously like the creator royalties that go back to the brand, which I think is a bit of a contentious topic now that we have all these, um, these um, exchanges kind of delisting NFTs um, mm -hmm. or sorry, uh, um, kind of canceling the, the the royalties and making royalties optional and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's another thing that we can do to introduce new revenue to e-commerce brands. And then, you know, in terms of um, provenance and certificates of authentic authentication, we can, you think about like a Rolex, for example, I've, I've just got my Fitbit, not, not a Rolex right now. But um, you think about a Rolex that you buy a Rolex and you get papers um, that to authenticate that, that Rolex and say it's legit. Uh, if we put those papers onto the blockchain and tie them to the product itself, every time the product changes hands, the customers have some, some peace of mind that that is in fact a real product. But the um, nice thing about that is the brand, again, going back to the creator royalties, um, the, the brand is incentivized to create a really awesome resale and secondary market experience of the actual physical products for the customers because they're being rewarded where you've got like these massive brands like supreme um and you know adidas with their yeezys and stuff like that sure they make a lot of revenue up front with their initial sale but there's a massive chunk of revenue that's um 
that happens in the resale markets, right? That the brands never get to see a piece of. Um, so now they're actually incentivized to kind of facilitate that process. Um, and then the third one being product launches, which um, like we, um, like I mentioned earlier, if you, with e-commerce, one of the big challenges is cash flow, for example, right? Um, where you have to manufacture all of your inventory before you even go to market and start selling it. So what you can do is make an NFT that is representative of that product and sell the NFT. So kind of like Indiegogo and Kickstarter, where mm -hmm. you go and you pay or you, you back a campaign um, and then you receive your product in three months time. Now, the major difference between Indiegogo and Kickstarter and using an NFT is with Indiegogo and Kickstarter, you only receive a promise to receive a product as where with the NFT, you're actually receiving an asset that's representative and is transferable, uh, but that is representative of the product that the customer is buying, which um, is nice because then if you decide two months before shipment or a month before shipment that you don't want the product anymore, you can sell it to someone else who's probably willing to pay more because they don't have to wait as long until the product ships out. Um, and obviously, because there is this um, this market in the meantime, again, the brands are, are getting a bit of a kickback from that as well, um, from the, the creator royalties. So lots of different and exciting ways. That's just like three use cases, but there's lots of different cool, wacky ways that we can um, integrate some of this technology into e-commerce to make it a more more seamless customer experience yeah with three commerce if there was a brand that maybe didn't have much of a understanding or passed so far using nfts and blockchain that wanted to could they come to the platform and a lot of that stuff you could help facilitate for them um to kind of like close that gap a little bit yeah absolutely so um another big element of all of this is that when we're working with a lot of our, our uh, clients, we even recommend that they don't mention that these are NFTs at all to their customers. Um, one, because there's a stigma, but two, because the, like it's not relevant to the customers at all. What they're receiving, particularly with like the loyalty program, for example, they're receiving a digital pass that gets them access to certain benefits. Whether or not it's an NFT is, is not relevant to the end customer. Um, and that kind of circumvents that, that stigma a little bit as well. Um, but my, where was I going with that now? I lost my, uh, lost my train of thought. But um, my main point kind of being that all of this is done in a very, very user-friendly way um, where the brands and the customers don't need to have any experience with crypto on the blockchain. And um, there are a couple of case studies that we've already seen of this happening. So we saw Reddit avatars where Reddit sold I have no idea how many avatars for between nine and $99. And then if a customer or someone comes and buys that one of those avatars, they get access to certain Reddit communities, right? These, these collectible mm -hmm. avatars get them access to the communities. Um, but then, you know, if you buy one of those, you can actually take it out of the Reddit ecosystem and go and trade it on OpenSea or whatever, because you own the avatar as opposed to it just being like a, you know, a name on a database and, and an allocation. Um, and then another one is um, Starbucks Odyssey. Now they're, they're launching their NFT program. Um, or loyalty program that, that uses NFTs as like stamps or points or something like that. Um, but again, in both of these instances, there's zero mention of um, Web3. There's no mention of um, NFTs or anything like that. The customers go through, interact with the technology, do the go through the entire customer journey, and then kind of after the fact, find out that it's an NFT. And I think that's also like kind of a testament or a really good... Um, uh, pathway to mass adoption is by having people actually use the technology without them knowing that they're necessarily using the technology, reaping a lot of the benefits and understanding or seeing kind of how it works and how it can work in their life. And then sort of saying, well, actually, you know, this is NFTs and the blockchain that lets us do this super cool stuff. Because again, the general consumer is just particularly with the, the state of the market right now, general consumer is terrified of 
of anything nfts and crypto um no oh yeah yeah the the maximum fear gauge i think is set in for a lot of people especially after ftx this whole year has been a mess um but it will bounce back it the whole idea of what an nft needs to be reshaped into something of utility and value and uh usability versus just being a 18 pixel jpeg that that's worth six figures somehow um the the whole idea needs to change um here's another interesting idea what about like drop shipping there's so many entrepreneurs and small businesses out there brands and creators um that leverage uh drop shipping type methods to make money and build businesses and to uh, push their brand out get apparel out i bet that could be streamlined as well with nfts potentially through e-commerce um, maybe making it more seamless for people to to get apparel or uh, to buy an item, to buy a good, to buy a service, or maybe hold on to it, exchange it in the future, trade it. Maybe there's a market for that. Any thoughts on maybe how that could be implemented? Potentially. Um, I think a lot of what I've kind of talked about would apply to both dropshipping and um, like general direct consumer brands that actually hold inventory as well. Um, mainly because dropshipping at the end of the day is just kind of a a vehicle and the, the mm-hmm. business model is the same. The customers are the same. So long as you do drop ship in the right way, right? There's a lot of um, these guys that are kind of popping, popping up on the internet, teaching people how to drop ship. And then um, these brands pop up subsequent to that. And then um, the products take like a month to ship because they're coming from China and they don't tell their customers. And it's just like a terrible experience all around, but drop shipping done right um, is, you know, working with local um suppliers that have the inventory in country so like if you're in the united states for example you'll work with united states based suppliers so then the customers still get their product within two or three days and then um i mean when you're doing it the right way like that i think it really doesn't differ much from like traditional e-commerce where you're stocking inventory and stuff um i think a lot of the the applications would be the same and are open to both dropshippers and uh and normal brands or even better than drop shipping what about like direct to consumer like let's say you're um, like a farmer and you want to bypass the whole supply chain aspect that just raises the prices dollar after dollar until it finally gets to, let's say Costco and you have, you're selling bags of coffee for a couple bucks, but eventually gets to Costco and Costco is selling a bag of coffee for 50 bucks. Um, and agriculture is just, you know, one example, but I imagine for suppliers and distributors, uh, those maybe that want to get directly to market or maybe you you have something you invented or you have a product you created at home. Um, I, I bet that could be an interesting avenue as well to maybe engage more directly with a customer versus having to go through this messy supply chain that in a lot of cases isn't necessary. Yeah, yeah. Actually, speaking of supply chain, you've kind of um, jogged my my thoughts. Another really cool... Um, because like the, the immediate thought that comes up when you kind of mention that stuff is, you know, mm-hmm. supply chain kind of tracking. And if you manufacture coffee beans, for example, and somehow tie NFTs to the batches, then you can see the journey that it follows through between mm-hmm. you going through all of this kind of like logistics process and then ending up with the customer, um, yeah. which kind of sheds some light on that. But, um, one of the cool things going back to these, um, certificates of authenticity and fraud prevention and, and resale markets of existing products and stuff is um, that if we tie an NFT to the product, going back to the example of Rolex, and then that product is sold um, five or 10 times on uh, over the next 20 years, 
I've just the screen's just gone black on me. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm still here. I can hear you. Okay, I think we've uh, I think we've lost the camera. Can you see me? I I can't see you, but I can hear you. It just looks like you turned the lights off. We're just gonna have to go go low low definition. Um, yeah. So so if you tie your your NFT to that um to that product, the Rolex, for example, and it's sold five or ten times over the next twenty years, that from there the brand finally has some like really really accurate and detailed insight and data of the journey of the product post purchase. Because I mean, in in marketing and and um you know, e-commerce analytics and all that stuff. We talked about, we talk a lot about customer journey. We never talk about product journey because once the product is sold, there's no way to kind of figure out where it's going and how it's changing hands, how many times it changes hands and for how much. But that is going to be really, really valuable data for e-commerce brands, particularly those that do have secondary resale markets like Yeezy and Adidas, uh, Yeezy and uh, and Supreme. Yeah, what, what would you say if uh, Kanye and the Yeezy brand approached you and wanted to do a partnership with three commerce. Could, could you like imagine a yeah. scenario, um, where maybe that could work out, uh, on your guys's kind of platform? Like, is there something for a brand like that maybe to, to, to do a product launch for something new and to integrate some of these features? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, kind of if we, if we went through almost like a real, like a hypothetical case study, for example, Um, starting right from the beginning of the journey, I know that um, there's a lot of bot buying that's happening where, you know, people run bots in order to buy up a bunch of this, the the inventory. um, So then they can sell it on the secondary market for much higher prices and kind of go through the whole price gouging or price scalping, I think it's called. Um, And then a lot of the, the really loyal customers actually miss out because of these guys that are kind of, being assholes and using bots. Um, so what we can do is give our most loyal customers, let's say we've got 10,000 shoes that we're going to sell in this drop. We can give our 8,000 most loyal customers NFTs that are passes, right? As part of kind of like this loyalty program. And then they need that pass in order to come come through and actually buy one of these shoes when the drop does happen, right? And then that means that all of those customers um, get their first slot in line. They actually get the shoes and they're being rewarded for being loyal customers of the brand. Um, and those guys that are going and selling them on the secondary market for a profit and buying heaps of them and stopping the loyal customers from letting, um, them kind of get their shoes. Those guys are kind of pushed out of the market because they don't have, they haven't been given the NFTs and then we can keep, you know, the other 2000 slots open for the general public or, or whatever. Um, so that's for the initial sale. Right. Um, and then again, subsequent to that, once the, um, products do start being resold, we tie an NFT to the product. We have a tag inside the shoe or something like that, a QR code that can be scanned. Um, and then when you're buying, you can scan the QR code to verify the authenticity. So, you know, as a customer that you're getting a, a, a legitimate product, a genuine product that is from the original manufacturer. And, um, then when you complete the purchase, you get transferred that NFT so that if you ever sell it in the future, you pass on the NFT with with the shoe itself. Um, and then all the while, the brand is being rewarded as well for facilitating and, and creating this really nice resale experience for the customer um, by getting you know, a 2, 2% kickback or a 5% kickback or whatever it might be um, in the form of creator royalties. So that's how I'd kind of picture it in real life um, if we went through a hypothetical mm-hmm. case study for a brand like um, Adidas with their Yeezys. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think they're kind of available right now, so you should reach out. You never know. Yeah, you know all this stuff that's been happening with uh, with Kanye. I think they're yeah. discontinuing, discontinuing the Yeezy line. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Like, um, well, I don't know if he's going to discontinue Yeezy. He might just do it himself. But um, yeah, they're obviously not working with Adidas anymore and, and Gap. But yeah, right. um, that brand is so strong. I I would highly doubt that he stops it completely. Like someone's going to sign yeah. something with him at some point or he'll just do it in-house. Um, yeah. Plus, there's been a lot of up. issues with uh, some other lines that have been affiliated like Balenciaga, for example, like there's some weird stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, dude, I haven't even had time to dig into that, but some of the stuff I've been seeing on social media is just weird. Yeah. Like the, the rundown on Balenciaga is they did some promotional advertisement and in the ad, they had like a child and they had all these like satanic symbols in there. And a lot of things that were referred to pedophilia um and then like the guy that owns balenciaga or one of the guys that's invested or something is like tied to pedophilia based websites i don't know there's some really weird stuff it's like a big um i guess rabbit hole that people have been diving into lately hectic it's like i know almost conspiracy theory kind of situation or wow okay i'm gonna have to check that out for sure yeah definitely check it out in your free time it's kind of interesting <laughs> it's okay done um, one more question with the e-commerce, um, if there's a brand, maybe not even a brand, but if there's some retailer that's selling, um, maybe a high end luxury product or that's reselling or doing something or wants to do it with three commerce, do you guys have like a way to verify authenticity? So let's say it's a shoe, um, and let's say they're reselling shoes through three commerce and they're jordan's yeezys you know something like that um how do you verify the authenticity do you work directly with the brand or the retailer to figure that out um or do you have an in-house method because some of these fakes these days are incredibly real like they come from the same manufacturer the same factory um they're almost identical um what's your guys's process Absolutely. So we, we're still ironing all of that stuff out where um, the, mm-hmm. the, the main um, use case that we're launching with is the loyalty programs and stuff. So that, that's going to okay. come further down the line. Um, but yeah, it'll be something along the lines of having some kind of QR code or something like that inside the product that then can be scanned. Um, and then it'll pull up a, a, a page that kind of verifies that the NFTs on the blockchain, you can take a look at all that information and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's down the line. Um, for now, we're focusing mainly on on uh, launching with these loyalty programs. Cool. Um, this year is almost over. December is here and we're going to wrap up 2022. Um, going into 2023, I'm definitely much more optimistic because I think it's very bottomed out. I think people have panicked and sold everything and i don't really see how much lower we can go um and i'm sure you're probably feeling a bit more optimistic about going into a fresh year and maybe all the possibilities so what, what's on the the horizon on the roadmap for what you guys are doing with dimnico uh, with the agency with three commerce are there some things that you guys are excited about that maybe you want people to keep an eye on going into the new year yeah, so for us, um, we're relatively unaffected by the market conditions, which is really nice. Um, I mean, when it comes to raising VC capital and, and things like that, obviously there's more, way more money flying around in a in a bull run. But um, in terms of the customers in the market that we're serving, it's pretty unrelated and not it's 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 not so connected with the crypto market because we're serving the general consumer in a way that they're not interacting with any of the the crypto stuff at all. It's all on the back end. 
Um, so that's nice for us, which means it's just business as usual going into the new year. Um, but just to kind of comment on the the market conditions, I guess, I think we're going to be here for a while. Um, I do. I agree with you in that it seems as though we've bot bottomed out. Um, but I think we're going to be moving through a, a sideways market for quite some time. And then hopefully um, by the end of 2023, we see some promising signs of uptick. But we're here now for at least six months, I'd say. Um, next next market high or all-time high, I think, is going to be 2025. But let's see. Yeah, I think it'll be the rounds just a little after the Bitcoin having. It seems like that's how the cycle works. Um, mm. So I'm... I'm not even trying to think about it right now because we're still a little ways off. We got to get to 2024. Uh, yeah. So, but who knows what happens? Um, you know, there there could be some positive regulation in the U.S. or other first world countries that really spike the market. There could be some critical partnerships. Uh, there could be some massive breakthrough in in one of these blockchains, or I don't know, something crazy could happen, like Wall Street bets did in 2020, yeah. and then. That could kick off the market. You never know. So it, it's one of those interesting things about being in crypto and being in blockchain and this industry. It's just it's the littlest thing or the thing you think would be insignificant can spark an entire market into a rally or um, yeah. it, it's, it's wild, but it's fun at the same time. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm excited to see how things unravel over the next you know 24 months. Yeah, likewise. Um, where can people go to learn more about your agency, to learn more about 3Commerce, you guys on social media? Do you have a website you want them to go to? Yeah, awesome. I think the best place to go to is um, my personal Instagram at dim.nico, D-I-M dot N-I-K-O. Um, and then from there, there's a link tree that'll just take you um, wherever you want to go. Um, so that's like the easiest way. Um, and send me a DM if you listen to this podcast. Um, shoot me a message. Let's connect. Let's chat. Um, I really enjoy connecting with uh, all of the different people that kind of hear about the stuff that I've got to say um, that are for some reason interested in it. Um, but yeah, let's chat and uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And where can people find you on social media if they want to DM you and chat? Yeah, Instagram at dim.nico. Okay, perfect. Um, guys, go check out Dimitri. Check out uh, his agency, 3Commerce, everything they're doing. Uh, very exciting. Make sure to like and subscribe to the video and the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, and Dimitri, thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. A um, lot of fun. Learned a lot about, I think, commerce, uh, this space, and how those two intersect a little bit more. Um, and some of the possibilities and what can be done and some of the things you guys are working on is really cool. Uh, so keep me updated on everything and maybe I'll have you back on soon in the future. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Brandon. Anytime. Take care. Talk to you soon. Cheers.